This program was first broadcast on Arrow FM, Wadarapa's only community access media station, and shared on Access Media with the support of New Zealand On Air. Hey, hey, beautiful people, and welcome to World Domination. I'm your host, Monica Ferguson, and you are in the perfect place to level up. Here I cover all things personal development, mindset, healing, spirituality, and manifesting your most abundant and impactful life. All done with a massive dose of real talk and an open book policy, because who is time for superficial chit-chat? Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing you, and thank you for showing up when it would be way easier to watch Netflix. Let's get into it. Oh, and don't forget to connect with me over on Instagram at themonicaferguson. Hey, hey, beautiful people, Monica Ferguson here, and welcome to this week's episode of World Domination, where I bring you Luke Rolnick, who climbed Mount Everest and is now leading people to Mount Everest. And it is an incredible, incredible story of purpose, of passion, of overcoming, of all sorts of incredible things. I absolutely loved this episode. I'll link all of his details below in the description so you guys can go and stalk him yourself online. But enjoy and please let me know your aha moments. This is a golden one. Just to backtrack, guys, Fokker, welcome. Um, He's just talking about what you, what did you say? You grow through what you grow through what you go through. Say that fast. You grow through what you go through. Yeah. Yeah. You grow through (laughs) what you go through. So we were, yeah, we were talking about people that have been through some stuff and generally not good stuff. And, uh, you know, it can either define them in a bad way or in a good way. And, you know, they can either use it to, to motivate themselves or they can use it as a, you know, a handbrake and use it as an excuse, I guess. I love it. What an inspirational speaker. I need you to just follow me around for a couple of days and just say things like that. (laughs) Be so good. But this was such a nice segue because I know you don't know what I'm going to ask you yet, but um, when I was stalking you today and yesterday, (laughs) your your website literally made me cry more than once. And then I was stalking you on TikTok and there are certain videos that are so beautiful, like just so beautiful. And I was like, wow, the story is so incredible. Um, <clears throat> before we kick into that, we're going to have a little bonding moment here. Are you ready? Yeah, ready right for this? Okay. Yeah. So your story is so similar to mine. It's not even funny. So the reason that I started my journey, my business, all these things that I do is because in 2007, my brother died. And oh, it was yeah. like... So his name was Fergus, which is why my last name is Ferguson now legally. Um, so it's my little nod to him. It was my way of creating a legacy for him, understanding how fragile life is and wanting to make the most of it basically. Um, so goose, I've got goosebumps. Oh, I've um, got goosebumps too. Yeah. I was just about to say, wow. <laughs> so when I read your story, I was like, this is so beautiful. And I just, honestly, I was like, I, I'm just going to get some popcorn and then I would love for you to just take us back to like Ben and how important he was to you and how this all happened. Cause your story is so, so inspiring. So amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm blown away by, yeah, the fact that <laughs> uh, it is pretty similar. So I guess the universe has a funny way of bringing people together, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm, my journey kind of started. Uh, I've been a personal trainer for, for 17 years and uh, Ben was one of my teachers when I did my, my fitness course. And so 
we became good friends after that. He gave me my first personal training job, uh, worked in his studio, and then we ended up working together. And so I was a presenter for Cert 3 and 4 in fitness for uh, a number of years. And we worked together at the uh, at the, the fitness place. And so we became really good mates and he was a really great mentor for me. Um, and so, yeah, he, I was working with him the night that he sort of found that he had his first cancer, which was testicular cancer. And Ben was a bit of a jokester. And, you know, I was working with another guy, Jeff, and he's like, boys, have a look at this. And he gets his testicle out and it was really swollen. And he's the sort of guy that would draw a smiley face on there or something. So I'm like, <laughs> What are we going to be looking at? And um, anyway, I said, mate, that's not good at all. Like you need to go to hospital like now. I'll cover your your class tonight. You go. And so the next day he was on the operating table and they removed his testicle. And to give you an idea of the sort of guy that Benny was, like I, I called him, I think two days later to see how he was. And his answering machine said, hi, you've called Ben. I hope you're having a ball of a time this weekend. I'm just hanging around like an empty sack. And he, he just rattled off a heap of jokes about balls, really. Yeah. And so he was a legend. And um, after that, he ended up with another tumour on his lung. Uh, and he that one, he, he nicknamed it Timmy the Tumour um, in, in Ben's way. Uh, and that one ended up, um, Timmy ended up winning. And so Ben passed away in 2016 in uh, June, I think it was. And I realised that, you know, life can sometimes be be short. And, you know, Ben had really changed his lifestyle in the last couple of years. And I'd spent a fair bit of time with him being able to talk about, you know, some of the stuff that he wished he'd done kind of different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he worked really hard. He was chasing stereotypical success for a lot of it. And so in the later years, he, you know, he worked less, he reduced his, um, his overheads and his outgoings each week. And, um, you know, at one point he was driving a Ferrari and then he ended up, you know, buying a little four door kind of like a Hyundai Getz or something like that, like just a little car. Um, and so, yeah, by October of, of 2016, uh, I was at Everest Base Camp. So I'd had a bucket list goal that I wanted to go to Everest Base Camp and I wanted to climb a mountain in the Himalayas. Um, didn't really care which one at the time. I just wanted it to be one of the Himalayan mountains because it's the biggest mountain range in the world. So, yeah, the day after he passed away, I booked my trip. And then, yeah, by October, I was at Everest Base Camp. And then I climbed a mountain over there called Island Peak, which is 6,189 meters. And coming from Australia, I, I had no idea. I didn't know that that was a pretty high mountain and probably pretty <laughs> stupid to do in the first one. And so I had a few near misses on that trip where I thought, well, that was pretty close. And I really loved mountaineering and I love being in the Himalayas and but I knew I I realized pretty quick that I didn't know what I didn't know and so Mm. 2017 I actually went over to New Zealand and did a a mountaineering course with adventure consultants over there and um, it was a alpine expedition course which I loved and then from there I guess I really got stuck into the you know climbing in the Himalayas Uh, 2018 I went back and climbed a mountain called Amadablam uh, 2019, I climbed Mount Manaslu, which is the eighth highest mountain in the world. And that was when I really started what we now call Booker's Ballsy Expeditions. Um, I wanted to honor Ben's kind of legacy and the fact that he'd gotten me, you know, inadvertently gotten me into mountaineering. And I'd carried his photo up every single mountain that I, that I went up. And the photo mm-hmm. was from his funeral. And, uh, yeah, in, in 19, when I, I climbed Manaslu, I wanted to 
yeah, honor him. So I raised money for the Queensland Cancer Council in Australia here. And I also got people to donate balls. And so it was soccer balls and volleyballs and cricket balls. And I donated them to the kids in the schools on the way into Mount Manaslu. And then the big plan for me was to climb Mount Everest in 2020. Uh, but then COVID happened and we all got locked in our, our countries. And so mm-hmm. I had to just keep training. So I, I kept training until last year, 2022, finally got to go back to, to Nepal and climb Mount Everest. And so last year, I again did the thing with the balls and uh, I also raised money to donate to the schools on the way into Mount Everest. So last year we raised just under $10,000. Climb Mount Everest, obviously reached the summit and got down safely, which is the important thing. (laughs) Uh, Gave out a heap of balls. So I think up until this year, we were up to uh, like 90 balls or something that I'd, I'd given out. And, uh, yeah, then I've just gotten back from a trip of actually guiding 10 people into Everest Base Camp. Uh, we did the same thing, raised money. So we raised $12,000 this time uh, and gave out a heap of balls again. So, yeah, it's been a, a really incredible journey and I think just a really good way to, to honour Ben. And, you know, you've been on the website there and I want to make sure that he's included through the whole thing. But I guess now the focus is, you know, what I can do to kind of help the, the people in Nepal and, you know, schools in remote areas and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, you're so humble. It's so funny. Like, oh, yeah, I just casually climbed up Everest, you know, and did all these incredible things. But, like, it's amazing. It is so amazing. Um, and I love this legacy thing, too, because it's, like, to a point, you know, we can carry their names or we can take their photos or we can put them on a website. But actually the impact that, you know, we have on other people is probably the best legacy that we can create for them. Yeah, you know? I- I 100% agree. I actually, um, I did a post on Facebook and the Instagram one was a bit shorter because the, there's a word limit, but yeah. uh, I did a <laughs> yeah. post on Facebook after I got back down from, from reaching the summit of, of Mount Everest. And obviously I had a few days on the way down to really think about what I was going to say and to, you know, really a lot of reflection on life. And so, you know, I sort of started it with, you know, to the people who have, hurt me or not believed in me or anything like that, I forgive you. And to the people that I've hurt or, or done wrong by, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm trying my hardest to be a good human and do right by, you know, humanity. Um, and the way I ended it was, um, yeah, I'm not religious in any way, but um, I said, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if we want eternal life, I'm not sure if we'll get eternal life by faith alone. But what I am sure of, is if we make a big enough impact on people while we're here, you'll live forever. And I said, and to the man whose death inspired me to start climbing in the first place, Ben Butler, there would be no ballsy expeditions without the impact that he had on me. And so to me, that's a life that's truly eternal because although he's not here now, um, you know, physically, he the, the impact that he had on me as a person has really, you know, inspired me to, to climb mountains and then to, you know, do what I can for, for other people. And so, you know, I can't think of any more of a, an eternal life that you can have by having such a big impact on someone that they want to go and do things and, you know, kind of honor your memory, I guess. A hundred percent. Wow. That is so amazing. Yeah. I get that. I love that so much. Um, I mean, where to even start? Like, honestly, there's probably enough content to fill 20 podcasts here. Um, but can we just backtrack a little bit to actually climbing Mount Everest? Like what was that process like for you from you book the flight, 
And then you're like, oh, shit, I better actually train and do it. And what's that process like for you? Well, I've been training since really, you know, if you think about it, I I climbed that first mountain in 2016. Then 2017, I went to New Zealand, did the course. Then 18, I'm back over there climbing Armadablam. 19, I'm climbing the world's eighth highest mountain. So I'd been training the whole time. And then COVID came and, you know, I couldn't go climb a mountain. And Australia's flat, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> I just kept training. I just kept, I, I was hiking. I was going out, you know, after work, I would go out two nights a week in the dark and go hike in the bush on my own. On the weekends, I'd go out and do a, a great big hike and get as much elevation as I could. And so when 2022 finally came, it was only about, I think, two and a half months that I got confirmation that the borders were open, international travel was going to be okay. I hadn't even been vaccinated yet. So I had to then go get vaccinated so that I could travel internationally. Um, and you know, I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole to go down, but I'd been putting it off and I didn't really want to get vaccinated, but I did because Everest meant more to me than not doing that. Um, and so it was quite rushed, um, in terms of, you know, I said to people, yeah, I'm going and they're like, oh, wow, that was quick. And I'm like, well, not really. It's been in the process for three years. And if you really think about it, six years, um, but it just all happened really, really quickly. And so yeah, obviously got on the, on the flight, went over and, you know, the, the company that I go with over there, um, I've climbed with them now quite a few times. So I've got a really good relationship. And so, you know, seeing all the, the Sherpa friends that I have and all of that, it was like seeing, you know, long lost friends that when you climb serious mountains, um, you know, like Manaslu and Amadablam, you know, you experience things with these guys that, you know, it's a brotherhood, like your, your life is in each other's hands and, mm you know, you get really close. And so, you know, one of the guys, Ming Dorji, doesn't speak really very good English at all. And, but yet just with a look and, you know, you communicate with a look or or whatever. I climb by myself. I climb as an independent climber. So I just have myself and a Sherpa and that's it. Um, so I don't have a big group of people with me or anything like that. Um, so yeah, first of all, it was really great to see them. Uh, and then we climbed another mountain called Lobage East on the way in, and that was to help acclimatize so that I wouldn't have to go through the icefall as many times because the icefall is a really dangerous section. Um, and then, yeah, you get into the, to the climbing part. And I guess, you know, I knew that Mount Everest is dangerous and a lot of people obviously die doing it, but it got really confronting up near the top when I sort of was, you know, like literally one inch away from a, a corpse. Um, you know, and it was this person just there and, you know, it really hits you of like, wow, the consequences are really high here. And, you know, then I went past two more bodies in, you know, within 20 minutes. Um, I saw a glove with an arm in it and oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think Whoa. maybe the person's passed away, frozen, got blown off the ridge and maybe the arm's broken off. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, so you've got kind of, you know, your mortality is really just in your face. And so the whole process was probably pretty similar to, to the other mountains I've climbed, but it wasn't until that, you know, that summit day where that stuff's really in your face. And, you know, I guess I never had any thoughts of, am I going to do this or do I want to do this? But when I got really close to that first body, 
I did have thoughts of, you know, is this worth it? And I had a little talk to myself and I agreed that I haven't come this far to only come this far. So yeah. we're going to do it no matter what the consequence is. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously I, you know, I, I don't know whether it was, I got lucky or, you know, the mountain gods were were with me on that day and I got safe passage, passage to climb the mountain. And yeah, I really enjoyed the time on the summit. I left Ben's photo on the summit and um, said a few words to to Benny while I was up there and, then I made some videos, which you've probably seen on TikTok. Yeah, quite <laughs> and, a few. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I thought, you know, these other guys probably made it and, you know, now they're unfortunately still up here, so I better get going. So, you know, that's when I started heading down. Yeah. Well, so I think I saw a TikTok of you talking about how you never actually thought about quitting, like you never really thought about giving up. No, I didn't. It was – it's actually really funny. On Everest, I, I never did. Um on Armadablam, I got to a stage where I, I thought I wasn't going to make the summit and I was in this headspace where I was like, okay, I've already, I know I'm not going to make the summit, but I can take one more step. I know I can't make the summit, but I can take one more step. And I did that for five hours, taking mm. one more step, one more step, one more step. And eventually I was on the summit and cried my eyes out and I just, I wasn't in good condition for that mountain. Like I'd broken my toe, I think eight or nine weeks before I left and I was in a moon boot for seven weeks. So I couldn't train properly and my nan had had a stroke and there was all these things that happened leading up to it. And, you know, I was in my own head going, are all these things signs telling me not to go? And so I just wasn't emotionally in a good place. Uh, physically, I was not in a good place. And so I thought I wasn't going to make it. And then yeah. on Manaslu. Um, because the weather changed and the weather window changed, I ended up going to the summit pretty much from camp two on Mount Manaslu and there's four camps. Um, so I had to, I, I did that in a 36 hour push. Um, so the whole kind of day slash summit push took 36 hours. And so physically that was the hardest thing I've, I've still ever done in my life. And so I thought I had thoughts there of, am I going to make it? But on Everest, I never questioned whether I was going to make it. Physically, I was in really great condition. I'd trained really hard. Um, mm. Mentally, I was well and truly ready because I'd been waiting for it for two years of, of lockdowns. And, yeah. you know, so I think everything for me just sort of lined up where, you know, I never, ever questioned whether I would make it. It just was, like I said, when I got to, you know, those dead bodies and, and then I was like, oh, okay, like this is real, then it was a conversation in my head of, you know, even if that is the consequence, do you want to keep going? And, yeah, I know it probably sounds crazy now, but the answer was yes, I do, and I did. Yeah. Doesn't sound crazy to me at all. In fact, um, I've been doing this podcast for probably almost three years, and that time – there are two people that I've ever spoken to who, when asked a, a question about, you know, did you ever consider quitting, said no. One is you. The other one is uh, my boxing coach who's a, uh, like, world champ Muay Thai fighter. And I just love that. And I really want people to pay attention to that. Like, the mindset, the identity, the belief. Like, it's not a question. It's happening. And that's uh, it's so important, you know, for us to be that sure and that actually have that confidence and, like, self-belief and what we're capable of 
Yeah, I think it's it's a really it's a tricky one, and it's like to be honest, for me, it was quite selfish. Like I, I didn't realize the impact of what I was doing when I was climbing Mount Everest. Like I thought I was going away to do this really selfish thing. I'm going to climb this mountain for me. Uh, yeah, I did the charity stuff leading up to it, but the actual climbing, you know, I. I guess before I leave, you know, you say goodbye to your friends and family, knowing that you might not see them again and you might not come home. And so like, I've been pretty smashed on TikTok for people, you know, people saying, how would your family feel? Or do you think it's okay for you to go and risk your life and and do all of these things? And I guess, I don't know, to, to really want something so bad that you're prepared to die for it is really powerful. And you know, it's not like I, I don't want to die and I hope I don't die in the mountains and I hope I live to a old age. Um, but by the same token, I also want to live a life that, you know, I believe that, you know, life's not how many breaths you take, it's how many, you know, how many moments take your breath away. And, you know, I guess there's a bit of a pun there because there's not much oxygen up there. <laughs> but, you know, climbing it, it really did take my breath away and, um, you know, and I mean that in more than just the, the physical sense. Um, and you know, for me, I guess whenever my time comes, I want to know that I've sucked every bit of, you know, adventure and excitement and achievement out of this life that I can, because, you know, Ben was someone super special with the most amount of talent and, you know, just a way about connecting with people. And unfortunately for him, you know, his story ended at 42. And ironically, I was 42 when I reached the summit of, of Mount Everest, which I think is is pretty cool. So maybe COVID helped me out in, in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Poetic. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel like your life has changed since you got back? You know, doing that and hitting this massive goal and then coming back to quote unquote reality. Like, what was that like? <laughs> Uh, it was tough. Uh, I think there's always a little bit of a come down, you know, I'm sure you've, you know, interviewed athletes and, and people who have achieved some pretty big things in their lives. And, um, yeah, I was a little bit depressed when I got back. Um, it's something that I worked towards for a really long time and it consumed my life in so many ways. You know, I couldn't, I, I said no to going out with my mates for beers because I knew I had to train the next day all of my finances, you know, I was self-funded. I didn't have a a sponsor or anything. So, you know, all of my spare money was getting put aside to to do it. So it consumed my life. And then when I came back, I'm just like, well, what do I do now? You know, like I can spend money. I can go have beers with my mates. I can, you know, I can do whatever I want really. And so that was the first part. I was quite a bit lost and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, you know, I guess now I'm, there's there's a heap of stuff I want to do now and I just don't have enough time to do it all. Um, I actually want to start my own podcast. I, you know, I've started the whole TikTok thing. I never thought I'd be on TikTok, but anyway, here we are. <laughs> um, I want to write a book at some point. Um, and, you know, I'm now, as I said, I'm now guiding trips to Everest Base Camp. There's other locations that I want to add in as well. Um, all of them will be ballsy expeditions where they'll be, <laughs> You know, there'll be a, chal- a charity element to them, but also, you know, I want to go to places that are a little bit off the beaten track. You know, you'll yeah. never see me guiding something that's like mainstream. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess now 
my life has <clears throat> have has changed a lot where I've got different goals and different things that I want to do and you know it made me feel so special just even with the people that I led into base camp giving them the money that we'd raised and the cash and saying okay go hand this money over and seeing how happy it made them you know it really made me super super happy and I guess in some ways when I gave the money over in years before I felt a little bit like a fraud because it was like I'm I'm the one that gets the accolades and I'm the one that they say thank you to but it wasn't my money it was money that other people had donated Mm -hmm. so this time it was really cool to have 10 people on the trip who all fundraised who gave money over themselves like one girl raised uh four and a half thousand dollars herself she did on australia day she did two thousand burpees um yeah (laughs) oh my gosh to raise money and so you know for her to be able to hand the money over knowing that you know you've done two thousand burpees on australia day was you know inspiring like i I was inspired by that you know yeah so Yeah. yeah my life's changed in a lot of ways yeah that's so cool okay so where to from here uh, well, it's, yeah, obviously the, the ballsy expeditions is up and running and I now have a website and, you know, it's, um, I still kind of pinch myself and laugh a bit because like Booker's ballsy expeditions was never meant to be a thing. It was just a, just a phrase that I gave on that Manaslu trip because I wanted people to donate money to the Queensland Cancer Council. And I wanted people to give me balls so that I could give them away to the kids in Nepal. And, <laughs> and so I actually have a hash, there's a hashtag on Instagram, which is Booker's Ballsy Expedition. And now I hate it because it's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's expeditions. Yeah. But at the start, <laughs> it was just meant to be one, you know, and, and I thought, you know, at the time I didn't know if I was going to be able to climb Mount Manaslu. So then I didn't want to tell anyone that I really wanted to climb Mount Everest because, you know, we all have, I guess, fears of, of failure and, I even had fears on that trip where I'd made it so public because I told everyone, this is what I'm going to go and do. I'm climbing the eighth highest mountain in the world. Can you please donate to my cause? And then I was like, oh, hang on. What if I don't make it to the summit? Like, do I have to give the money back? Do I have to like <laughs> give the balls back? Like, you know, what do you do? And yeah, so there was sort of, I guess, just fear of public failure and and all of that sort of stuff. And I guess now, you know, I'm not scared of that so much so now you know what's next it's uh it's guiding uh into to base camp and doing those things i still have my own goals that i want to achieve in the mountains so um i'm pretty sure that in july i'll be heading over to seattle to climb mount rainier over there which uh i've wanted to climb that for a long time uh ed vistas is he was the the first american to climb all 14 8000 meter peaks without supplemental oxygen and so he started his career guiding on Mount Rainier. And so yeah. ever since I read his books, I wanted to go and climb that one. So that one's there. And then I also want to climb one of the 8,000ers, hopefully without supplemental oxygen. So I'm looking into climbing Choyu, which is the sixth highest mountain in the world, uh, either 2024 or 2025 without oxygen. And then there's some potentials for climbing in Pakistan as well. I'd like to... I guess the Mountaineers mountain is, is really K2, which yeah. is the second highest mountain in the world. So yeah, K2 is on my, my hit list as well. So yeah. Amazing. Okay. So final question. Um, 
I love what you just spoke into around this like fear of failure and fear of what other people think. Cause I think so many people don't want to be bold and say it out loud in case other people, you know, criticize them or whatever, but the putting it out there and saying it out loud kind of makes it happen. So what would you say to someone that's sitting there thinking, Oh man, I really want to do this thing, but I'm too afraid. But what, what, what if people say something? <laughs> yeah, I think, look, it's, first of all, it's natural. And I think when you're feeling that way, you feel like you're the only one that feels it. And I had <laughs> so many, you know, things that I was scared of. I didn't want anyone to think that I was, you know, using Ben's death to publicize what I was doing with my climb. Um, I, and then I, you know, I, I talked to a few people about that and they were like, look, anyone who knows Ben and anyone who knows you would know that, you know, you're doing it for the right reasons and you want to raise money and you're doing it in, in his honor. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was, you know, what if I don't make it and what if I fail and then everybody sees me fail? And then, <laughs> you know, there was even thoughts on that mountain when I was starting to struggle going, you know, what am I going to tell everyone? Like, <laughs> you know, no one's here. Like I could just say I made it, but then I'm not going to have any photos <laughs> and, you know, so I just think it, the first of all, it's natural and everybody thinks those things. And I think no matter how confident you are with things, you still, there's still always that little voice in the back of your head that says you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. Or what if I fail and, and all of those. And, you know, I think now after obviously climbing Mount Everest and coming away from that climb with a different kind of self-esteem that I, I never had before. Like I always had self-esteem, but it's just a different kind, you know, now I think, well, what else can I achieve and what else can I do if I put my mind to it? And, you know, I think I would say to those people, it's just, it's part of the process and it's just another hurdle that you've got to, got to overcome. And just like when you climb Mount Everest, you've got to cross crevasses on sketchy little ladders and you've got to climb the Lotsy face, which is very steep and you've got to walk past dead bodies. And it's just another part of it. And, you know, it's, it's part of the, the process of achieving anything really that, you know, what if I fail? Sometimes we're even scared of what if I succeed? And, mm. you know, for me now, I've got so many things that I want to do and I don't have enough time to do it. And I'm sort of like, okay, how am I going to do all of this? You know, so I guess as you get, as you succeed with things, your problems just get better, I guess, you know, it's a, it's a good problem to ha not have time to do all the things that you want to do part of the process thank you for listening i would love to hear your key takeaways and aha moments from this episode and i just want to remind you that you can do amazing things you're incredible and if no one else today has told you they believe in you i do only a certain kind of person listens to a podcast like this the best one go get him <laughs>